Hey, hey, everyone. It's Allison Kaczkowski. Welcome to this edition of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I hope that wherever you are, you're having a fabulous Tuesday morning. So today is the first Tuesday of February. So we are one month into 2020, if you can believe that. And February is National Heart Health Month. And so what comes to mind for most of us is obviously how to take better care of ourselves and our hearts. So we tend to think of eating better, not smoking, and being physically active. But what we're going to do on this show all throughout the month of February is tackle some of our favorite subjects and relate that back to heart health. For example, we're going to be doing some talking here about energy and metabolism and how to boost your metabolism because when you boost your metabolism, it's literally in essence a workout for your heart. We're also going to talk about how to avoid a stalled metabolism. And what we'll do with that is we'll dive into more exactly what happens to us when we put ourselves under a whole lot of stress and easy, simple techniques that we can do to hopefully remedy that. We're also going to go into how to boost our metabolism as we age because folks, I'll be honest with you in case you don't know this already, our metabolism gets slower as we get older, so it's up to us to be proactive to take care of it. And that's just a simple simple little snippet into what's coming throughout this whole month. So every week we're going to be tackling a subject related to heart health. So I hope that you'll stay with us. I hope that if you have friends out there that you think could benefit uh, from our message, I hope you'll invite them to listen by sharing our links. We are available not only on our home platform of milehighradio.com, but we're also, you can also hear us on Apple, Stitcher, tuned in and iHeartRadio, and we will soon be on Google Play and Spotify too, so stay tuned for that. We want to try to get the message out about how important self-care is for everyone. So let's get back to our focus for today um, with it being Heart Health Month. So what I want to tackle today are some easy tips and strategies that you can use to hopefully help boost your metabolism. That's what our focus is going to be all week over on our business Facebook page and our community in the classes that we teach in a special live training that I do every week in our community. I call it Tuesday Talk because it's on Tuesday afternoons. So that's a whole nother reason for you to get on board with us if you're not already in our community. So I'll give you all that information at the end of today's show. So as we get older and life happens, um, our metabolism does respond to that. And for some of us, the very small percentage of the population is gifted with a very high metabolism. And folks, we can't do anything about our genetics. Um, You know, our genetics are what they are. However, we, there is still, that all being said, there's still a large percentage of what we can do that's within our control. Um, and that's what I want to address today. But our meta- how our metabolism functions is really a function. It's really a, a function in and of itself of how our energy works. Um, and so, for example, if our, we feel like our energy levels are high, our metabolism is going to respond to that. If our energy levels are low, our metabolism is going to respond to that too. But basically, in a nutshell, what is metabolism? Metabolism is not really a calculator, okay? It's not just what you punch numbers in and you get a result. That's not really how it works. Um, metabolism is like a thermometer, okay? I like to equivocate it to a fire. Some days the fire is really burning and some days maybe it's not. But it, what we can do by, what can we put on the fire to get it to burn brighter? What can we do 
um, with the fire to get it to burn longer and more um, expedient and more efficient. And this, these are the things, these are the things that what I like to refer to as our self-care behaviors, because that's really what self-care is, is 90% of it is behavior. So our metabolism is the rate at which our body burns calories for energy. Okay. So, and this is a constant process. It's going on all day, all night, even when we're not really aware of it. Now, obviously when we're sleeping, that's when our metabolism is at its lowest point because when we're sleeping, let's be honest, we don't use a whole lot of energy. Okay. And while that's an important concept in and of itself, and we're going to address that um, in a later episode this month as part of our special episode on stress management, the rate at which we use energy can increase, but at the same time, it can decrease. And our metabolism is dependent on several different factors. It's dependent on age. Obviously, young people have a much faster metabolism than older folks in general, all other things being equal. Sex, I'll be honest with you, men have a higher basal metabolic rate than women do, and that's largely because of their hormonal balance. Men have more testosterone than women as a general rule. Um, Physical activity, influences our metabolism. The amount of muscle mass that we have influences our metabolism in a big time way. And obviously our genetics and our genetics is something that's not within our control. We can't just order up a new set or go out or trade our genetics in for a newer model. It just doesn't work like that. But everything else for the most part being activity, muscle mass, what we eat and how we live are all things that are within our control for the most part. So these are where I'm going to focus the tips and strategies that I'm going to leave you with today. But before I get into that, since it is Heart Health Month, I want you to think about, even though each week we're going to be tackling a different a different sub area, if you will, of energy and metabolism. At the end of the day, our heart is really a big muscle. And we we tend to discount that. We tend to think of the heart being kind of an entity all on its own. And to some degree, that's true. But I want you to think for our purposes today that our heart functions like a muscle because that's really what it does. And think about the job of the heart. The job of the heart is to pump blood throughout the body all the time, all the time. I want you to think about that in the same context as if your body was lifting weights all day, all the time. Okay. Um, So it's really important that our heart be in the best possible shape that it can be. And one of the best things that we can do to ensure that our heart stays in the best possible shape that it can is to regulate our energy levels, okay? And I'm not suggesting that we be super energetic all the time because we need that downtime too. We need that recovery time, just like we need recovery time after a a long workout or a tough workout. Our body needs that rest time to recover so that we can benefit from all the work that we just did. And the same is true for our heart. So if you think about when we're stressed or when we're working hard or when we're doing all the things or when we're busy all the time, that's a a lot of burden on our heart in general because its job, keep in mind, is to make sure that everybody else has what it needs, okay? So our heart's continuously pumping all the time. It's not like it can just take a day off and not work, okay? So we have to make sure that what we do is going to be is going to actually put our heart in the best possible position to respond and it doesn't have to necessarily just be physical challenges that's tend to what where most people go when I talk when we say heart health okay but also what's important for taking care of our heart is the self-care that we do the downtime the reflection the meditation the thinking that we want to do about our intentions and our goals all of that is really listening to what our heart is desiring for us And so that all goes into this category as well. 
Um, so all throughout February, we're going to be tackling this subject, and I'm super excited about it because there's just a whole lot of information. I've got some super cool guests lined up. I've got a follow-up uh, with someone that we interviewed in December, and we're going to talk about his journey a little bit. And if I would love to hear from some of you on your personal self-care journey. So if you feel so inclined, please feel free to reach out to me. You can head over to our website at cufitness.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, fitness.com, and click contact us and just send me an email and tell me about your self-care journey. I'm always interested to hear what other people are doing, what's working, what's not working, because I think we tend to forget that we are never alone. We're all in this journey together. And if you're thinking about something that's either working or not working for you, then odds are somebody else is having the same thought. But the difference is, is that so many people don't capitalize on sharing their story in a way that can help others. And so I want this forum and this show to be an open invitation for any of you to feel free to reach out to me and let me know what's working for you, what's not working for you, Um, because that's how we learn. We learn from not just what we do right, but what we think we can do better too. So let me get into my six simple tips and strategies for easy ways of how to boost your metabolism to help your energy levels. And this is all with the concept in mind that this all helps us uh, take better care of our hearts. So number one is fairly obvious, and you've heard me talk about that a lot on this show, and that is good old-fashioned strength training, good old-fashioned resistance training. We just cannot beat around the bush here, folks. Um, And what's most obvious about resistance training when we think about it is actually lifting weights physically lifting weights, like going to the gym and picking up a dumbbell or getting on a machine and pumping out a really tough set. Yes, that's considered resistance training. And basically what that means is, is that we are lifting a force or an object that's heavy and we have to exert a lot of energy to get that done. Okay. It's kind of like I tell my college students in my classes that I teach at Meredith College, The way that we strengthen our muscles is to practice what's called the overload principle. And the way we do that is, is that we expose our muscles to, um, to heavy weights that they don't otherwise always encounter. And this is why where so many people get tripped up because they think, well, you know, I don't, I can't really do that. I'm not lifting a really heavy weight. And they wonder why they never become stronger. And You know, in order for us to get stronger at anything, not just strengthening our muscles, but strengthening our minds, strengthening our hearts, strengthening everything about us, we have to expose ourselves to challenges. We have to put ourselves out there to experience challenges. And I love the metaphor of resistance training with life is that when we put ourselves in, in a position to get stronger through some kind of challenge, we always come out a winner on the other side. And we may not feel like a winner at the time, and we may feel overwhelmed like this is not something that we can do, at least do easily. But I promise you, if you get in the habit of doing that, you will become the winner. You will become the winner in more ways than I can even discuss here. So resistance training, lifting weights, but, you know, using machines, any of that is considered resistance training, but I'd never want to discount how important body weight training is. And this, these are the simple things that you can do at home and your office Anywhere, like a push-up, for example, a squat, a lunge, a plank, a bridge, you know, a body weight wall squat, um, you know, a tricep dip on your chair or your office desk. 
anything along those lines that's going to force your muscles to work is going to actually strengthen them in the long run. And some of the best examples in everyday life that I can use for this are those functional activities that we do almost every day. That is, we carry groceries, we lift boxes, we move things around, we move furniture. Uh, maybe you're carrying laundry baskets up and down stairs. Maybe you're picking up your kids or your grandkids or you're picking up your pets. Um, all of that is considered strength training, but we have to practice it regularly to get better at it. So it's not something that we just want to do sporadically. So I want to encourage you, even if you're not a gym person, even if you're not one to just get up and go to the gym and work out for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, promise yourself you're going to take some uh, five or 10 minutes every day and work on strengthening your body and whatever that looks like for you. And this is where we can help. So again, feel free to come over and join our community on Facebook because all month we're going to be doing little challenges um, and different subjects to help you strengthen the biggest muscle of all in our body, the most important muscle, which is the heart. So obviously getting stronger is super important, but Doing regular strength training and resistance training is also good because our muscles burn calories all day long. So it would stand to reason that the better our muscles work, the more calories we're going to burn all day. And that's a good thing. That's what we want. Okay. So think about it as a, a double-edged sword in a good way. You know, we strengthen our bodies. We strengthen our metabolisms. It's a win-win. Okay. So that's tip number one is some kind of resistance training. Okay. Tip number two, drink plenty of water. I know I've said this a million times right here on the show, and I'm probably going to say it at least a million more, but drinking water is not just so essential for how your body functions, but water has to go through your digestive system in order for it to work. And anytime something passes through your digestive system, it contributes to your overall metabolic rate because eating actually takes energy. Drinking water takes energy, okay? So if you think about a time during the day, maybe when you're tired, you can't really focus or concentrate, maybe your mind's wandering, or maybe you're just flat out tired, try drinking some water. It almost always gives you an energy boost. And here's another thing I want you to think about. We tend to not think about drinking as much water in the colder weather months because, let's be honest, it's cold outside. The last thing we probably want to do some days is to drink cold water. But studies have shown that there are actually more cases of dehydration in the wintertime than there are in the summer. And that's because people don't think about the fact that they're dehydrated. The air is drier. You know, you may or may not be moving around as much because it's colder. It tends to be colder outside. So think about that. Drink lots and lots of water. Be resistant, be relentlessly consistent about that. So if that is something that you struggle with, then think about keeping a cup on your desk. Think about keeping a water bottle in your car, maybe an extra water bottle in your office, whatever you feel like you're going to need that's going to help you be successful in that arena. Okay. So drink plenty of water. Tip number three, obviously, Think of ways that we can reduce stress. We're going to address this on a future episode in a couple of weeks, but um, and I'm going to tackle more of this subject then. But I want to what I want to mention to you today with respect to stress is that stress is literally how we respond to something. Okay, stress doesn't just randomly appear in our lives, and stress doesn't just drop itself in front of us. Stress is all about our response which you've heard me talk a lot here about intentions and thoughts and goals. Okay. And what we, what we talked about on last week's show is that 
the thought, it's not so much our thoughts. It is, our thoughts are a big piece of that. But what's more important is the feeling that goes behind the thoughts. That's what really drives it. And that's to a large degree how we handle stress is the feelings that come behind our thoughts. It's our reaction to those feelings. That's what stress is. But here's another thing to think about. With continual increased stress in our lives, it has a negative effect on our metabolism. Okay. It really works to hinder how our metabolism works in a lot of ways. I want you to picture, um, if, and I know I've used this example before, but if you're on a road trip and you're continually running into road construction, right? Um, there might be a lane blocked off on one side or the other side. And, you know, you may have, have been, you may be in this, this boat fairly often, depending on how much you drive, but you may find yourself waiting to simply go. You know, you may see cars in front of you, you know, feeding into a lane and you're having to wait your turn. Well, that's basically what stress does to your metabolism is, is that it, it puts a big, it closes a lane, if you will, or two or three and just really slows things down. Okay. Because it's like I've always said, you know, our body is always in protection mode. Our body is always wanting us to survive. And if it senses that we have too much on our plate, then that's exactly what it's going to do. It's going to do whatever it needs to do to protect ourselves. And unfortunately, what that means is, is it's going to lower our energy levels, which usually means that our metabolism gets stalled. And if you're out there and you're over the age of 45 or 50 and you're struggling with this in your life, I want you to take a long, hard look at what's on your plate. Okay. You know, and think about what are better ways that you can manage your stress that's going to serve you better. We're going to talk about this in a future episode. But some simple tips that I can offer in that department would be simply just taking a few minutes to yourself every day and practicing some meditation. I want to invite you to go back and listen to a past episode. It was back in January. I interviewed my colleague Kate Ciano on meditation and mindfulness. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, to go back and listen to that because that's a good one. I mean, all of our episodes, I think, are phenomenal. But but that episode in particular really addresses this subject. It takes the bull by the horns and really gives you some concrete tips and ideas as to how you can get mindfulness to really work for you as a stress management technique. Okay, so that's tip number three. Tip number four is to increase the intensity of your movement. Now, I'm going to stop short of calling this high intensity interval training because that concept in and of itself just makes people run. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Um, and if you're out there and you're movement challenged in some way, if you've had an injury or you're sitting there saying, yeah, good luck with that, Allison, that ship has sailed, that's not happening for me, then think about it in this, in this context. What can you do in terms of your movement during the day to make it a little bit tougher for you and more challenging for you? Can you take the stairs instead of the elevator? Can you park your car a good distance away and walk? And can you take a really challenging path when you walk? Can you walk up a hill or two? Can you walk an extra block? Can you maybe power walk? Can you speed up your speed when you go up the stairs? Can you go up the stairs two at a time? Okay, obviously holding onto a handrail if that's what you need to do. High intensity interval training, on the other hand, is a more structured format. And this is really tough, intense exercises with not much rest in between. And it's designed to really help your heart rate skyrocket. Okay, and when that happens, our bodies have to go into super energy consumption mode. Okay, this is why we see high intensity interval training is such a staple in, you know, big time fitness programs. 
and why there's so much research out there on the fact that it's a very effective way to use a short period of time. But having said that, there are a lot of people out there, and you may be one of them, where high-intensity interval training just isn't going to work for you on a regular basis. So if that's the case, then I want to challenge you. What exercises and activities are you doing that you can make yourself work harder? Okay? I mean, your body is not going to distinguish between that and high-intensity interval training, okay? Your body is going to know that you're pushing yourself more, and your body's going to respond accordingly. That's the important thing, okay? So think about how you can do that with your activity time. I also want to mention another concept called steady-state cardio, and this is something that I'm seeing a lot more of, not just in the fitness industry, but actually with a lot of my colleagues that are in regular workout programs. Steady state cardio is just that. It's a state in which your heart rate stays at a certain level the entire workout. And from a subject point of view, it sounds good because you're getting the activity in, um, your heart rate's responding, and your body's kind of kicking into gear. It's kind of like you're taking a walk. And obviously walking is great for you. It's great for lowering the stress response in your body. It's great for increasing insulin sensitivity. All of that is a good thing. So I'm not telling you not to do it, but I am encouraging you not to do it all the time as like the only thing that you do. Okay. Because too much steady state cardio, too much activity at a low intensity is not going to do much for your metabolism. Okay, it's going to keep it at a low point. So obviously, do it, do it a lot, but supplement with ways that you can increase your exercise intensity level too. Okay, so there's a a fine line between how much and too little. So we want to strike the right balance there. Okay, so keep in mind, I'm not telling you necessarily one's better than the other. But what I am telling you is that it's a good idea to do both. Okay, all right. Tip number five is sleep. Okay. And obviously this is a no brainer. We all know that sleep is good for us. Okay. But too little sleep actually slows your metabolism down. Okay. Too little sleep also causes your body to feel like it's hungrier than it actually is. And that's because it disrupts um, a hunger hormone called ghrelin. Okay. Now I know I'm not giving you a real science lesson here, but stay with me for a minute. Okay. Um, When we don't get enough sleep, what happens is that our central nervous system just stays on go all the time, okay? And as a result of that, keep in mind, the body's overall function and purpose in life is to survive, okay? The body senses that it always needs energy because it senses that it's running on fumes. It's like when you're getting into the reserve in your gas tank, okay? Your car's going to compensate a little bit to keep it moving, okay? That's what your body does when you don't get enough sleep, Okay, now one night you can usually make up for or a couple of nights, but after a while it starts to take its toll. Okay, and you may notice um, on days um, when you haven't slept very well the night before or a couple nights before, or maybe it's just been a bad week or a bad month in general, you may notice that you're hungrier than normal, that you're getting more cravings. Maybe you notice that you're, you know, just colder and that you find you need a jacket or a sweater, okay, on a regular basis, regardless of what the temperature is, okay? And that's largely because there's a hormonal disruption going on. Now, on the other hand, okay, if, you're, if your body is sensing that it's hungrier, okay, then the other hormone that's actually not being produced in enough quantity is called leptin. So I want you to think of those two as working on a seesaw, 
okay? And when one's high, the other one's generally low, okay? And so when we get enough sleep or an adequate amount of sleep on a regular basis, then that seesaw doesn't seesaw quite as much. And we notice the difference, not just in how we feel in our energy levels, but we notice that we're not craving that fast food or that piece of candy or whatever else, okay? So I want you to really pay attention to that, especially if you're struggling with that right now, okay? It's really important that we figure out a way to help you ensure that your sleep is as good a quality as it can be. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you need to get eight hours a day like a lot of health experts will. Some people say they actually need more than that to function on an optimal level. Uh, me personally, around seven, seven and a half hours is usually my sweet spot. I can usually get by with a day or two if I get less than that, but I can really start to feel it in my body. I've learned to recognize what those signals are. And you might be a nap person. Power naps are a great thing. If you're in a position where you can do that, that definitely helps. Okay. But if you're also one of these people that, that says, well, I only get six hours and I feel fine. Okay. As long as there's six good quality hours. Okay. Just laying in bed for six hours isn't the same thing as getting six good quality hours of sleep. Okay. So I really want to challenge you on that. Okay. So getting enough sleep actually helps boost our energy. And in the long run, it boosts our metabolism and that's good for our heart. Okay. All right. And the last tip I'm going to leave you with today is don't consume too little calories or too many calories. And this is where so many people get tripped up. They really radically reduce their calories, especially if they're trying to get in better shape or they're trying to meet some, some sort of health or, or fitness goal. They drastically reduce their calories or on the other hand, they try to eat too much. And now granted, if you're really active, you know, if you're teaching classes, if you're doing huge workouts, if you're training for a big event, then that's totally different. You have to eat for how your, what your body needs. Okay. But generally speaking, that's not the general population as a whole and drastically reducing our calories does the same thing to our metabolism as drastically increasing our calories. I don't know a single really overweight person who says they don't eat more than one or two meals a day. Okay, think about that for a minute. We tend to think of people when they're really overweight that they just eat all the time and they don't. They just don't have an active metabolism. And what's happened is, is what they do eat never gets used. It's always stored. Okay, so think about that. We want to eat enough to give us the energy levels that we want to get through the day and to enjoy life in general. Okay. But we also want to eat to the point that's actually kind and good for our bodies. Okay. And this means ensuring that we're eating enough protein and that we're getting particularly foods that are rich in vitamin B and foods that are high in magnesium. Magnesium is great for sleep and rest. Okay. And it also is key to helping us reduce cravings. So sources of food that are good, that are high in B vitamins are potatoes, peanut butter, spinach, eggs, just to name a few. Okay. And magnesium, you're going to find um, some in fish and some maybe in even if you're a milk drinker. So in general, this is where having taking a multivitamin or some type of supplement is really helpful. And a lot of multivitamins out there are not created equal. So I would encourage you to read labels. We'll discuss all that on a future episode too. Um, it's always a good idea to take a multivitamin uh, that's rich in vitamin B, that's rich in calcium, 
and also magnesium. So those are three biggies you want to make sure you're getting for optimal muscle function and for optimal energy levels. Um, so those are my six tips and easy six tips and strategies to help boost your metabolism. I hope this has been helpful for you. I don't want you to think of this as work. I want you to ask yourself, what can I do today that's going to help me better take care of myself and better help me look after my energy? So let's not look at this as a glass is half empty. Let's look at this as a glass is half full scenario. Okay. And that's what I got for you today, folks, on the ultimate journey of self-care. I so appreciate you listening uh, to my show and helping me spread the word of how important self-care is for all of us, whatever that looks like for you. If you're on Facebook again, please come over and join my community, Living Your Ultimate Life Through Fitness and Self-Care. We would love to have you. If you're not on Facebook, head over to my website at the letter C, the letter U, fitness.com and click contact us. Uh, we'll get you on our email list so that you know about what we're doing and how we can best serve you. And obviously, if you have specific questions, if you have something about your self-care journey that you want to share with us, I would love to hear from you. So please reach out. We are in this journey together, folks. Um, so that's our edition today of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. You are one step closer to living your ultimate life. Make it a good one. 